All right, we are in the middle of a series on building a protective wall around your heart. And our main text is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. We'll just go back, just a very brief uh, 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 recap there for the purposes of those who are not here with us and also for a reminder of those of us who were here. It reads as follows in the New King James Version, Proverbs 4, 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. The New Living Translation says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Of your life. That's an amazing statement to make, that when it comes to the direction of my life, it's really the heart that determines it. It's quite an amazing statement. As, we know, as you know, we said that in, in these days when they spoke about the heart, they were really not talking about this part that pumps blood, this organ of ours that pumps blood. But they were using it figuratively in that we all do know that the sustenance of our entire body to a large extent depends on the heart because the heart pumps blood to all parts of our body and that blood is really the life of the body. And so, you know, if there's something wrong with your heart and it really can't do its work so well, whatever part cannot receive sustenance from that blood that comes from the heart will suffer. So as much as this physical organ called the heart, they believed in olden days there's a spiritual heart. And that spiritual heart is the source of all life. All right? One more translation the New English Bible read, guard your heart more than any treasure. So, you know, we're told that we've got to, you know, above everything else that we pay attention to, we need to pay attention to our hearts. We need to look after our hearts, not just the physical one, even that, that's also important. But this spiritual heart says, for it is the source of all life. So, you know, this verse is quite a disturbing verse. Are you telling me that things that happen in my life are affected? really by my heart, or that they originate from my heart, we'll explain that as we go further. The next translation reads, use all your watchfulness to keep your heart true. That is the fountain whence life springs. So we are exhorted, therefore, to guard our hearts, to use all watchfulness, to, to keep our hearts. So when it comes to our heart, the Hebrew word used there talks about, if you would, that inanimate part of our being, that part of us that you cannot hold, you can't touch. It's not an ear you can touch, an eye you can lay hands on. But it's a part that makes us who we are. It's really the core of our being. Like, figuratively, when we talk about the heart of a matter, it's really the heart that is the core of our being. It's really the heart that determines the issues of our life. And therefore, we need to look after it. The heart speaks of that part of man that God put in us, when he created mankind in Genesis 2, we see God makes the body of a human being out of the dust of the ground. There it lies just as a form, lifeless, can't move, can't think, can't operate. Then the Bible says in verse 7, and God breathed into that particular structure, that particular form he had made, breathed into it what the Bible calls the ruach, the breath of life. Then it says, and man became a living soul. Meaning that our life derives from that part that God puts in us. That's what makes us who we are. That's our heart. 
and it comes from the insides of God. So our heart really talks about what we call the spirit of a man or the inner man or as the book of Corinthians calls it, the, the hidden man of the heart in, in the epistle of Peter or the inner man in the book of Corinthians. But it's not just the heart uh, as in what we have explained, the spirit of a man, but it also includes what we call the soul of a person, our thinking capacities, what we meditate on, that which we, we internalize and we, we, we muse on in the, on the insides of our being. So the heart therefore refers to that core of our being. And Jesus in his preaching really tells us that it really is the heart that influences our life and if it is that will defile our lives. You know, because there was an argument in his day as to why do his disciples eat with hands that are not washed? And Jesus said it's not what goes into a person that defiles a person. Maybe from a physical perspective you may be sick physically from eating with unwashed hands. But when it comes to really affecting your spiritual life, there's nothing from the outside that really affects you. Jesus says it's what comes from the heart that affects a person. Really what comes from the heart is the evil thoughts and all the things that happen. And that is why then when God comes into our lives, he deals with our hearts. He changes us in our hearts because if our heart can change, then other things in our lives can fall in line. It's not a change from the, from, from the outside in, but it's from the inside out. And because our heart, our reasoning, our thinking, our soul, our spirit is so important, we are admonished to look after it because it is the fountain of life. The word fountain speaks of a source or the origin of anything. It's a place where something comes from. Things arise from our hearts. And I'm going to show you as we go along that Really, this is what affects us in our lives. Things that originate in our hearts. Things that come from our heart because the heart just like you can incubate, just like the womb of a woman that, you know, a seed is planted and a child grows. A spiritual heart, things get planted in them and things can grow and they germinate. Last week we talked about how we need to guard against bitterness and unforgiveness. It can be in our hearts and it can affect our lives so badly. And so today... We want to talk about how negative words of doubt and unbelief can affect us and how we must guard our hearts from those negative words. Instead, we've got to learn to use different words instead and allow different words to incubate in our hearts. That's very important. Our goal today is to demonstrate from Scripture that the words of our mouth affect the outcome of our lives. Why? Because the Bible tells us that the words we speak the words that come out of our mouth are first conceived in our hearts. We don't just speak. It doesn't just happen like that. It's not often that that happens. But before we can say, it first brews in our hearts. And, and to illustrate that, let's go to Matthew chapter 12. I want us to read this because it's an important thing to, to read and to get the background of what led to what Jesus said. All right? So just follow with us there on the screen. It's in the New King James Version. I know it's a very long passage, but we're going to read so that you get the background. All right, fine. Let's start verse 33. We'll, 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 we'll explain the background. Verse 33 reads, Either make the tree good or its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. So what Jesus is saying is that if a tree gives bad fruit, it's because the tree is bad at its core. That's what he's really saying. So at the core of this tree, it is bad. That's why it's giving, 
bad fruit. So if it is bad at its core, you can't expect it to give good fruit. But by the same token, if the tree is good at its core, it cannot bear bad fruit. All right? Then he says, are you all here? Just look at your name and say, why are you not saying anything? Why are you not saying amen? All right. Then he says, then he says, for a tree is known by its fruit. So Jesus says, if you want to know what's at the core of the tree, look at the fruit. The fruit tells you what's at the core of a tree. In the same way, I mean, you know, you know, we, 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 we go to trees and say it's an orange tree or this is, a, this is a peach tree or this is a whatever tree. I don't ever remember any tree intersecting me in the middle of the road and saying, ah, look at me. Can you tell what I, you know, you, I'm a peach tree. It's, it's me who called it a peach tree. And the reason I called it a peach tree is I saw peaches on it. And that it has peaches on it, it means at its core, it's a peach tree. Now follow that, follow that. Jesus is going to apply it to something else. Then he says, verse 34, brood of vipers. Okay, he's not talking to us now. Okay, he's talking to the people. He says, how can you, being evil, speak good things? Notice how he connects the speaking to the core of who they are. How can you, being evil, speak good things? Now note, he says, for or because out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? What happens? What happens? Now, I, I want to know. I'm going to ask, and I ask this side, and what does the word abundance mean? Help me. Huh? Instead of saying anything, she says, <laughs> so it's plenty, right? Full. More than enough. Can we have this side? Abundance. Help me, help me, help me. Abundance. Huh? Overflow. Hey, I'm learning. Plenty. Full. Abundance. Overflow. Over here. Excess. Too much. Hey, some interesting definition. This side, Baruti, tell, tell us. Abundance, abundance. Let's hear. A lot. A lot. All right. All right. Not what Jesus says. Jesus says, for out of what the heart is full of, the plenty, the abundance, the quickening, out of what the heart is full of, the mouth speaks. In other words, what comes out of the mouth is simply an expression of what the heart is full of. Hmm. Therefore, if, 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 if you listen to me long enough, you'll probably know what's at the core of my heart. Several years ago, I was in a church service uh, visiting a church that I know and you know, the pastor at that time had a difficulty. He was really having serious weight problems. He was really trying to deal with that. But, you know, the congregants were not very nice to him. So they had a, a drama, you know, that was illustrating what was going to come. And, and so the, the actors come on, and, and so they go on this drama. And, 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 and in this drama, they were depicting him. 
And so, yeah, but it was good. There was nothing wrong with what they were doing that far. And so, the, one of the actors then, as they were, you know, doing, going through the presentation, they went off script. You know, they, 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 they started freestyling. You know, when you go off script, they started freestyling. And, 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 and then, he, then the, the actor said, and, and, and Pastor so-and-so is fat, and he went... Because, you know, he, he wasn't expecting that to come out. But see, what the brother didn't realize is that it's not the mouth that decided what comes out. <laughs> well, what came out of the mouth was just the abundance. So Jesus says we've got to guard our hearts. The Bible says guard our hearts because whatever is full of, whatever is full of, that's what's going to come out. Then he says, verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. Let me give you the background of this scripture. If you go back to verse 9, Jesus was, was in the region of Galilee at the synagogue. And as usual, you know, he went to the synagogue. It just so happened it was the Sabbath day and a man came to the service with a deformed hand. So Jesus then prayed for this man and the man got healed. I mean, it's a good thing he did. As usual, the religious leaders who always had an issue with him were very unhappy with what he did and then raised the issue that we know you healed the guy, but why must you do it on the Sabbath day? You're breaking the Sabbath. Instead of them being happy, that somebody has been helped. Jesus was very annoyed with them. And the hypocrisy says, hey, you guys, when your donkey falls into a pit on, on Sabbath, don't you rescue it? So wh why are you not happy that we're helping somebody here? Instead of them really listening, they schemed to harm him. The Bible doesn't tell us what they wanted to do, but certainly it does say they wanted to harm him. And, and, and Jesus, when he, when he said, coast. <laughs> Let me explain. When Jesus looked at whatever, he realized things were bad. That's what I was saying there in local language. So Jesus then left that area, went elsewhere, still in the region of Galilee. And as he left, many people followed him. And a man came to him, whom the Bible tells us this man had an evil spirit. He was also, uh, he couldn't speak, and he was also blind. So he comes to Jesus, and he comes there to get help. So Jesus then prays for this man, and this man gets healed. And in jubilation, the crowd is so glad, and they're saying, but this guy, he must be the Messiah that we've been waiting for. Instead of the religious leaders being happy about what happened, they said, ah, this guy did this because he has a demon in him. And Jesus says, watch it now, you have been blasphemous. You cannot call what has happened that it came by the power of evil spirits. He said, blasphemy against people is fine, but if you blaspheme, you call what the Holy Spirit is doing, the devil, you are in serious trouble. And then he says, of course, well, what do I expect from you? You are like that at the core. You're not good people, you are evil. 
Your hearts are full of evil. Therefore, this is why your mouths are expressing what is evil. And it says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth good things. Just like an evil man brings forth evil things. Jesus is showing, therefore, that before words are released with the mouth, they first brew in the heart. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees would sit by themselves, think about how they're going to find Jesus in an awkward place, challenge him either with a scripture or take him to task with what he has done. They were just never happy with what, it doesn't matter what he did, they always got, got offended. We therefore need to guard what goes on in our hearts. That we guard that which we process in our hearts because one day it will escape through our words and it will produce after its own kind. In short, our words have the potential to shape our lives. And it's interesting that Jesus talks about both the evil and the good alike. In other words, if I use, if I lean on the negative side, that will be the outcome. If I lean on the positive side, that will be the outcome. But it is you and I who have the choice. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now, let's follow this principle. If this principle is correct, can we find it elsewhere in the Bible? Huh? It's a matter of what goes on in the heart linked to what goes out of the mouth. And in the words of Jesus, there is no way, what the, there is no way that the mouth decides what comes out. The mouth only expresses what the heart is full of. So I have to ensure that my heart is full of something different if I want to express something that's different. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 together. Hebrews chapter 11. It gives us a theological framework to show us how these principles began. Even if it's in Hebrews 11, it's quoting back to where everything began. Hebrews 11, I'll read two scriptures for you, I rather two translations for you. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. All right? Now, you know, there's many ways we can interpret that verse. Many ways. One interpretation can be, well, when the world or when the universe was shaped or framed or created by God, I wasn't there to witness. I wasn't there to see that it's really God who did it. All right? I'm reading from the Bible that God is the one who created, so I accept that, that by faith. Because I wasn't there, so I just accept it by faith. I can't prove it. I don't know. I accept it by faith. Or the other side of it, which I want us to look at, is that Faith was the materiality that God used to create the world. Stay with me. Stay with me. Faith is the actually cement it's actually the building blocks, the, the bricks that God used. It's actually the actual material God used to create the world. Stay with me on that. The Amplified Bible reads, by faith we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, shaped, put in order, equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God so that what we see, watch this now, was not made of that which is visible. 
So he's saying the universe at its stands was made of what's not visible. Here we go. So God then created this universe using this materiality of words, using what the Bible calls faith. That's very confusing. Now, if you read that and stop there and don't explore that, it's going to be a problem. Jesus then goes back to this very beginning of things in his earthly ministry to try and explain this point to his disciples. So let's go to Mark chapter 11 together, verse 12. Let's go back to Mark chapter 11. Are you still here? I know you may still be hanging on. Where is he going with this? Just stay with me. Okay, tell your neighbor, just stay with him. You'll get what is going on. All right. Verse 12. Verse 12. Talking about Jesus, it says, the next day when Jesus had come out of Bethany, he was hungry. And I'm going to ask you to help me here. We're going to read together. And seeing a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he can find something on this fig tree. Now we are told by Bible scholars that this type of fig tree was the kind that when you saw it having leaves, it was a sign that there's fruit on it. But we don't know what happened to this one. When Jesus saw it, he went to it. It says, but when he came to it, he found nothing, for it was not the season for figs. So we don't know what happened in this instance. Jesus didn't find what he was looking for. Are you there, Wazalanane? Are you there with me? Ne? So he goes to the fig tree. He doesn't find anything. Next verse. In response. Read with me. In response. Yeah. Stop right there. Stop right there. Read it again. In response. What happened? No, 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 no. Don't be afraid. Read it. Read it there. there. It's not me. Read it again. It says. In response. What happened? Wait, 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 wait. Jesus was talking to a tree. Jesus took it to a tree. <laughs> he said to it. He didn't say to people. He said to it. The tree. Do you, do you ever talk to trees? How many of you are sitting next to somebody who's talking to trees? <laughs> ah, tell the truth. You talk to your remote control. Why are you not working? You know? <laughs> Jesus said to it. Now, now watch this. What did he say? What did he say? Let no one eat. Now, what he said is, is not positive words, right? It's not nice words. It's negative words. And just to make sure that he was not thinking aloud or whispering, just to make sure the Bible emphasizes and underlines, and his disciples heard it. So what he said, they heard. They saw. He went to a tree. He didn't find the fix. He spoke to the tree. Are you there? All right, let's skip down to verse 20. And don't mind, you can go and read the other verses just in case you think I'm trying to hide something. The only reason I'm skipping down to verse 20 is because in between, Jesus went to go and sleep. So that's what happened. In <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's okay, but it, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's, the, the, it doesn't really happen. Anyhow, you know what I'm trying to say. So now, so here we go. In the morning, everyone say in the morning. So which means this, from the time Jesus spoke to the tree, there's time that had elapsed. That's what I'm trying to show. 
He spoke to the tree. Let's say it was on a Saturday afternoon. He spoke to the tree. He went to sleep. Maybe at a B&B or at a hotel. In the morning, Sunday morning, watch this now. As they passed by that tree, ne? watch. They what? They saw the fig tree. What happened to it? Huh? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Dried up from the roots. Note next verse. Verse 21. And Peter remembering. See, there are people who don't ever remember anything. <laughs> so Peter remembering. He says, Rabbi, look, 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 look. The tree with which you cursed. Now Jesus didn't swear. But Peter says what he said was a curse. What he said was negative. The tree which you cursed has withered away. Which means this. When Jesus spoke to the tree, there's nothing, there was no visible change. No, no, no. Work with me. Work with me. Work with me. When Jesus spoke to the tree, there was no visible change. Time had elapsed. And what he had spoken not only dried up the tree, but it dried, God dried from the roots. Words go to the roots. Destroys at the root, at the core. But it doesn't show any change that day, but one day, one day, he's right up from the roots. Remember, the principle can work on the other side. That you can have a tree in your life, in your family. That is not working. That is not going anywhere. But you can choose to, instead of cursing, you can choose to speak something. That and when you speak that which is good, there may not be any visible change. People may think that you are wasting time. Mara, one day is one day. Here we go now. Let's make the connection. Next verse. So Jesus answered. He answers Peter and says, look, 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 the tree has dried away. Jesus says to him, have faith in God. I about Jesus. Kanjan. Have faith in God. Now, note, he starts breaking it down, what this faith in God means. One translation says, have the God kind of faith, or have the God type of faith, or have the God quality of faith. Jesus is saying, look, I just want to show you how God's faith works. And the good thing is you can have it. Not that you're a God, maybe not at the level of God, but this, this very principle will work for you. You see, principles work for anybody. Because a principle or a law is a law. The law of gravity works for you. Whether you are two years old or a hundred years old, it works for you. It works for you whether you are a professor or you have never been to school, it works for you. Jesus said there's a principle here. That God has used, and I want to show you how you can use it. Assuredly, I say unto you, whoever. How many whoever's do we have in this place? I don't know about you. I'm a whoever. I'm a, I'm a whoever. It means whoever, whether you are from Soweto or from America, whether you are young or old, whether you are male or female, whether you are, it doesn't matter, rich or poor. Whoever. Say, so the words are involved. 
Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. It goes back, there's a connection between the words and the heart. Oh. They're saying it, they're believing it in their heart. But believes that those things which he says will be done. Watch now. He will have he will have he will have what does whatever mean? Positive or negative? Whatever. 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 We use this law, we use this principle unknowingly. Very much so. There's people who believe that their life will never go anywhere. And they tell you, in my family, we never live beyond the age of 50, 60, and you will see even with me. (laughs) And then it happens, we, we are so glad that we were prophetic. What we didn't know is that we spoke to the tree. Yeah. And what we said produced because that's how the principle works. There's a connection between the heart and the mouth. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. Jesus says, Peter, let me show you. What I just did to this tree is exactly how God created the world. So what I just did, see this tree? was standing there. I spoke to it. I spoke words. I believed them in my heart. This tree dried up and it died. You can do that. In fact, is the faith of God, is the faith, the God kind, the God type of faith, is the same faith God used when he created the world. Here we go. By faith we understand that the universe was shaped, formed by the words of God so that things which do appear things that we can touch the materiality that we can touch was not made of what you can touch in the beginning of times God stands on the edge of nothingness and the great God creator of the heavens and earth he says I'm going to create a thing called the universe I'm going to create all the planets and and all the stars in the Milky Way I'm going to do it and I'm going to use this materiality called words I'm going to use my faith as God. I'm going to believe in my heart and speak those words with my mouth. And when I, whatever I say it shall happen. And then it says, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It says, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was moving upon the face of the earth. And God said, like Jesus said to the fig tree, and God said, let there be light. And when you read the book of Genesis, so many times God said, let there be light. God said, let the fish come. God said, let the trees grow. God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And then the book of Hebrews says, see, that is the material God used to build. It's called faith. And that faith, it's, it's actually a combination of believing in the heart and saying with your mouth. And, and anybody can do that. And everybody does that. And whatever. You can apply that principle in whatever. Look at somebody and say, Sagalama Zamba. Look at somebody and say, Sagalama Zamba. Now watch. 
I want to be careful to explain this so that I'm not misunderstood. I'm not in any way suggesting you can so much just dream up anything and just say it, it will happen. That's not... All right? I want to bring it home now to say in our case, it's a matter of us believing what God says about us and speaking that over our lives. And the reality of what God says about us over time manifests. But the problem is the opposite is true. Oh yeah. The opposite is true. Now, let me show you how God used this principle in other instances. In Genesis 12, God comes to a man by the name of Abram, talks to him, bring him, bring him, brings him. I want to speak in my own language. Amunta. Brings him out of the land of the Ur of the Chaldeans. This is a man who doesn't know God, doesn't know who this God is. God introduces himself to this man and and finally, God says to this guy, when he's about 80 years old, says to him, look, I'll give you a child with your wife. All right? And, and then time goes uh, uh, until he's 90 years old. And in between, Abraham is not sure about this thing because him and his wife ended up saying, it looks like this thing God said, it's not going to happen. Why don't we try something? God helps those who help themselves. How many of you know that verse? <laughs> So he goes and gets a child with Hagar. And God comes to Abraham and says, Bona, I said I'm going to give you a child with your wife out of your own loins. What you just did there is not what I was talking about. You're not going to help me. But this guy is not sure. Ah, man. So probably even when people talk to him, he says, ah, when he meets with his wife, they say, ah, you, you think this will happen? So the problem is they're not believing it in their hearts. And what they continue saying as they converse and meet other people is all negative. So God decides, all right, I, I've got to change this guy. I've got to change what he says. I've got to change what he says about himself based on my promise, not just what he thinks are, based on what I say. So we read then in the book of Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 says, when, when Abraham was 99 years old, sorry, God came to him when he was 80 years old. Now this is almost almost uh, several years later. He was 90 years old when God first came to him. Now he's almost 100 years old. So 10 years has elapsed. You know, even if God has promised, nothing's happening because remember, even if you read the promises of God, if you don't apply faith to it, even if God said it's not going to happen in your life. So God realizes 10 years has come, this guy, nothing's happening. So God decides, all right, I need to change this. Verse 1. Are you there in Genesis 17 verse 1? When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am the almighty God. Walk before me blameless. When God says I'm the almighty God, he's, he's literally actually saying, you know what, Abraham, what I've said to you is true. If, if you read it properly. There's nothing that's too hard for me. He's picking up, says, you, you are busy not believing me here. Huh? You don't want to say over your life what I've said about you. So God has a solution. Then he reminds him, he says, Bona, I'll make my covenant between me and you, and I'll multiply you exceedingly. God had said this before. So Abraham falls on his face. Verse 4, God says, behold, as for me, my covenant is with you. You'll be a father of many nations. Now, this guy is 99 years old. It didn't work when he was 90 years old. 
He didn't know when he was eight years old. He's 99 years old. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I don't know if he had false teeth. I don't know if he was working with it. I don't know. I don't know. And at this age, I don't know if there was much action in the... Okay, let's leave that one alone. But I don't know. <laughs> I didn't mention anything. I don't know what you're laughing about. But then God does something very interesting in verse 5. He says, no longer shall your name be called Abram. But your name shall be called Abraham. And listen to God's language. He says, for I have made you. Goodness. I have made you. A father of many nations. God is talking nations. This guy doesn't have one child with his wife. Because already talking nations. And he's 99 years on top. And already does not, I mean. Now watch what God's doing. He's changing his name. From Abraham to Abraham. So that every time he introduces himself to somebody. Because the name Abraham means father of many nations. Just imagine, just imagine. Think about him going down to Maponya Mall and meeting you for the first time. Say, hi bro, how are you? Say, you're good. They say, my name is Jewel. What's your name? Says, I'm father of many nations. Then he says, how many children do you have? He says, ah, I'm working on it. <laughs> working on it. <laughs> but God had to get the brother to change the words of his mouth. To call himself a father of many nations because that's what God calls him. Even if he doesn't have a child yet of his own with his wife, even if when he's walking, that reality hasn't come yet, God says, you better start saying it. Ah. And when God changes his name, it doesn't work that day. But every day he keeps on calling himself Abraham. Can you imagine at home when the wife calls him, Father of many nations, dinner is ready. Father of many nations, you have a, you have a phone call. I, oh, they didn't have phones those days, but it doesn't matter. We can put it in. <laughs> Father of many nations, you have an appointment. Father, he kept on hearing and 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 hearing. As he kept on hearing, it keeps going into his heart again and again. It goes into his heart again and again. Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, be careful what you listen to. He says, for to the same extent that you listen and give attention to something, it is the same extent results will come to you. Guard your ears, guard this doorway, because this is the doorway through which words come through into your heart. If you keep listening to what is negative, if you keep saying what is negative, your heart is going to conceive what is negative, and in the process of time, it's going to give birth to what is wrong. So he keeps hearing it again and again and again and again and again. And then you read the book of Romans chapter 4. I didn't put it down. It's an amazing scripture. If you don't connect it, you won't know. He says, and Abraham came to that point where he was, he, he says, he staggered not at the promise of God. Hey, that's not where he started. That's not where he started. There was a time he wasn't sure. So which means if you want to strengthen your faith, say what God says about you, even if your reality looks different. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. 
Those who don't know this principle, they will say you are lying. Those who don't know this principle, they will say you are telling the truth. Listen, I'm not saying I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus because I feel like it. I'm saying because the word of God says I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. That's what I say. Oh yeah. And finally when the guy was on the other side of 100 years, Isaac came. Why? Because it says he staggered not at the promise of God. It says, but he was fully convinced. You can get to a point where you are fully convinced with the promises of God. But it starts with what you hear. It starts with what goes into your heart. It starts with what you say with your mouth. That's the material you use to uproot the wrong tree and have the right tree. Can I hear an amen in the house? Can I hear an amen in that? Few more scriptures and we are done. The woman with the issue of blood is an amazing story for me. Because her story is an incredible story. Up until just a few months ago, I listened to somebody who's a, almost like a Hebrew scholar. Really is good in going back into the Old Testament to unravel things about the Old Testament. What made this woman come with so much boldness to Christ? There's a story to it. Remember the woman in Mark 5 who had the issue of blood? The Bible says she came in the press behind. What happened? Let's give the story. In Old Testament days, when the priests served in their priest office, they would wear priestly garments. And without going into much detail on that, I don't want to go into the nitty-gritties of it. The priestly garment they wore had tassels on it, ropes on it, on the edge of the garment. Historically, with time, they kept on adapting the, the garment. Today, if you watch Jewish men praying, you'll see them wearing a, a cloth over their shoulders, but it has strings on it called tassels. That's where it comes from. And so it showed that this is a priest. This is somebody who serves in the presence of God. In the Old Testament, it was very clear. Not everybody could become a priest. To be a priest, you had to come from a certain lineage. You had to qualify according to certain standards, whatever. Then you can serve as a priest. But then God said something in Malachi, which I'm going to ask you to put it up on the screen there. Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. This is what God says prophetically. He says, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Now, it's hard to understand that if you don't know the Hebrew background to that. What God is simply saying is this. The sign of the Messiah that you are looking for, when the Messiah comes, one of the things he will have wings. Now, wings is not, you know, when you think of wings, you, yeah. But these wings is actually, he'll be wearing something that has tassels on it. That's the wings. So one of the signs of the Messiah is he will walk like the other priests. He will wear a tassel. But what will characterize his ministry is that he will walk in the power of healing. He'll 
have healing in the wings. So in other words, you can, you can touch, you can touch his garment and healing power will flow. That was a promise. That was a promise. So the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. Many of them, even when he came, they didn't receive him as such. In fact, if you read the New Testament, it wasn't only that woman who touched the hem of the garment of Jesus. There's other people as well. Why were they doing that? Because of that. But let's go back to her. Here she is on that day. She's sick to the point of death. Tried everything, nothing worked. But she's heard, probably from the synagogue, being preached or read out by the priests. The Messiah is coming. And the sign of who he is, that Messiah will wear a tassel. And there'll be healing in his wings. And so this woman here, she's sick. And the Bible says, and she heard about Jesus. I'm sure she asked, he's the one who heals? Does he wear a tassel? They said yes, and she decides to believe what God said. Come on now. She decides, I believe what God said. And the Bible says, watch, she came in the press behind. Even if Uta number lasts, it will still work for you. She came in the press behind and she said ah she believed she's saying in fact when you read in the original Greek it says it didn't say she says it, she kept on saying what is she saying she's saying if I can just touch the hem of his garment She's basing what she's saying on the promise that's in the book of Malachi. It's not based on her positive thinking. It's not based on her niceness. It's based on her believing what God says and she keeps saying it and when she finally touched the hem of his garment, the Bible says, and virtue power came out of... Oh my goodness. Power came out of Jesus and Jesus stopped and says, who touched me? His disciples says, what do you mean? Everybody's crowding you out. What do you mean? He says, no, 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 no. There's a difference between the touch of curiosity and the touch of faith. The others just came to see. They didn't come believing. They didn't say it. They don't have the materiality. And listen what Jesus says to the woman after he's spoken to her. He says, daughter, thy faith. Ah. Faith. Hearing, believing, saying, faith. That's how God created the world. That same faith has healed you. And that woman was healed. In the same way you and I, when we take the promise of God, believe it in our hearts, say it over our lives, those words will go to the root problem. Last scripture. The book of James. You know, the Bible 
is a continuous revelation. It's like these truths get looped together. This one I want us to read, James chapter 3. I want you to see this. This is unbelievable. It says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Keep going. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone doesn't stumble in word, do you see that? In what he says, if anyone doesn't stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Keep it there, keep it there. This is funny. This is a funny construction of a sentence. Word, perfect man, whole body. Look at it. I want you to look at it in the light of what you've heard. So don't let the word perfect man throw you. You know, the New Testament uses the word perfect to talk about matured. So let's substitute that. If anyone, if anyone does not stumble in what they say, they are spiritually matured. And because of bridling their word, they are able to bridle their whole body. So our words can affect the literal destiny of my whole life, really. No, no, no. Let's follow. Let's go through. Next verse. He says... Then he uses uh, a hyperbole. He starts making comparisons. And he has to exaggerate to get the point across. He says, indeed, we put bits in the mouths of horses that they may obey us. Watch it now. And we turn their whole body. Look at the comparison. The whole big body, strong body of a horse is turned around by a small thing called bits. So if you can get hold of the beats, you can control the destiny of this whole beast. In other words, what controls the direction of this horse is not something big, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a small thing. Are you there? Yeah. Next verse. Look at the ships. He's using another hyperbole. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, large, driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. It says this, this ship that's going that way is big, driven by fierce winds. If you can get hold of the rudder, you can turn it. They are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Ah, next verse. Even so, Uh, there, there it is, even so. The tongue is a little member and both great things. And he uses another hyperbole. See how a great, a little, a great, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. It says, you know, for the whole forest to burn down, just a little spark like that. Next verse. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it's set on fire by hell. I'll conclude there. Just keep that verse there. This is what he's saying. He's saying, you know, the tongue is so small, yet it, it, it can affect the whole destiny of our life. But by the same token, even if your life is driven by fierce winds, even if there's a lot that has gone wrong in your life, if you can get hold of the tongue, 
you can turn it around. Ah, you can turn it around. You can turn it around. He says, Mara, the tongue is set on fire by hell. What is he talking about? He says, you see, if, if, if hell, if Satan wants to destroy your life, he just gets you to say what's wrong over your life. That's all he does. You say things over your life. You believe it in your heart. You keep saying it. When you say it, nothing changes. But if you've said it, it goes to work. When you go to sleep. And one day, your prophecy comes true. And you tell everybody, I told you so. I told you, I told you. I told you that this car will never last me five years. I'm going to have an accident. But on the other hand, if your life is going downstream, you can do that. Let me give you a personal testimony. 1980, 82, 83, 81, 82 rather, when I was working at Rema in the bookshop, you know, I've told you I was, I was studying as a student. I was also working during the day. I had a lot of uncertainties about my life at that time. Fairly young, you know, 81 is about 20 years old. Not so sure about how life's going to turn out. I'm in debt. You know, I, I also have a future here. I want to see my life go somewhere. But and coming from the background we come from, I'm working in a place good as it was, but in those years there was, you know, the margins between the haves and the have-nots was very large. It's still there today, but even worse those days. And even if the leader of the church, Pastor Ray McCauley, did very well in being very embracive, it wasn't so true among the staff members, most of them. And so with the job that I did, which was the least paying job, the lowest of all, one didn't get good treatment at all. Now, what are you going to do? See, you can choose to let what people think about you to determine your destiny. You can join them in what they say about you, or you can rather join God when he gives you another name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the other name like Abraham. I'm talking about the other name where God says you are more than a conqueror. That's your other name. The other name says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's the other name. The other name says greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. That's your other name. That's what God says about you. It's not you saying it about you. It's what God says about you. But will you join God? Will you say about you what God says about you? Even if the reality of it hasn't manifested yet. Will you get hold of the rudder? Will you get hold of the bits? Will you speak to the tree? Will you apply the principle and know that over time, God is not a man to lie. God is not the son of man to change his mind. What he says will happen. And I decided as I went, you know, I'd go to work, I'd be there an hour before because of the mode of transport I was using. So I would use that time to study. I used to study on the train as well. But I'd be done studying and I'd have some time. So I decided I'm going to take 15 minutes every day to apply this. And I'm showing you how to apply it now. So I'd read the word of God and everything that God said about me or you as a Christian, I'd underline it and I'd personalize it. Yeah. I'd read it out so that I hear it. I'd think about it so that it goes into my heart. And then I would take 15 minutes every day 
literally walking the floor saying out these words. I'd say that and I'd personalize them. You know, if it says you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, I'd say, Father, I want to thank you that your word says I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Me, Musasono, more than a conqueror. <laughs> more than a conqueror. I remember I was looking for direction in my life. I didn't know which way to go. And my most favorite was Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. I would say, God, I don't know which way I'm going to go with my life. I don't know the direction, but I don't have to kind of be searching and know. But I know your word says, as many as are led by your Spirit. I am your child. I'm your son. I'm led by your Spirit. I'd read Psalm 37 that says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I said, God, I want to thank you that you're ordering my steps and your life. And every day, every day, every day, I kept saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. And as we say, the rest is history. You didn't change that year. But it changed someday. So in conclusion, this is what I want to suggest. Four things and we're done. Number one, develop the discipline of regular Bible reading or regular Bible study. Don't just read it for the promises now. Read everything. But when you meet something, that's addressed to the Christian people. By the way, everything in that Bible is addressed to you. Not because of who you are, but because of who you are in Christ. Because of what Christ has done for you. Read it, underline it, so that throughout the day, you are thinking about it, you are reading it again. If possible, you know, you are saying it to yourself. Every day. Just do that. Think about it, you know, memorize it, quote it to you. Yeah. The good thing with the Bible, it addresses every area of our life. If, if, you are, if you are sickly in your body, there's verses that deal with that. If you're accident prone, there's verses that deal with that. If you feel you need guidance, there's verses. If you need wisdom from God, there's, if you need to have a closer fellowship with God, that's, oh my goodness, that's lots. So that's number one. Number two, take time to think on those scriptures. Don't just read and pass. Meditate on, that's what God told Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, 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 mouth. But that shall meditate therein. How often God? Day and night. In the same way that you can learn certain songs, even if you never bought the CD or you didn't download the song. But you heard, you know, in the township, you know, they have parties and they play these songs and the music blaring the whole night. I remember after I got married in 1988, my wife and I, that's the year that uh, Brenda Fassi released that song, Weekend Special. <laughs> you don't come around <laughs> to see me in the week. You don't come around. I'm no weekend, weekend special. Uh, that's why I know it. I never, I, never, I never bought those days. It was a record, not even a CD. But right across the road, there were people who were having a party from Thursday night. They, they played the song. Yeah. All of Thursday, all of Friday, all of Sunday, all of Saturday, all of Sunday. I remember when I came to church, we were still in the other hall. I was standing on the pulpit trying to worship, and I heard, you don't come. Rah! Ah! I tell you. Ah. The song had gone through the gate of my ears into my heart and even if I didn't want it I was thinking about it do that with God's word 
as I do that with God's word. You know, the nice thing today, we have these Bibles that you can download that uh, are recorded Bibles. So you can just play, you can just press and listen. So nice. You can read and listen. Again and again and again. The issue is listen to it again and again and again and again until it imprints. So meditate on the word. Number three, intentionally speak God's word over your life. Intentionally. Be intentional. If you're in debt and you're trusting God to help you out of debt, there's verses that deal with that. If you're in a fractured family, there's verses that deal with that. Apply the specific words to your specific situation. I'm not saying you must read, you must read the Bible, you know, uh, sparingly or just go for the verses you like. That's not what I'm to Read all of it, know all of it, but know what applies to you. No, if you're going in, maybe you're going for an interview. You know, sometimes we become afraid. I don't know about you, but you know, you, you got, Timothy tells you God's not giving you a spirit of fear. Huh? Jesus said about it, when you come before them, don't be afraid, the Holy Spirit will help you. So do all that you humanly can do. Make all the preparations and then rely on God. Are you there? And number four, disciple, discipline your tongue rather. And use that rudder called tongue. Steer the ship of your life in the right direction. Instead of going through life as a victim. Or blaming everybody for what's going on in your life. Take charge. Take charge as the captain. Said they, wherever the captain wants. Take charge as the captain. Don't be a passenger of your life. Get back in the driving seat. You know where, you, where God says your life is going. You don't have to be a victim. Even if things have happened in your family for years, remember the words can go to the root. Even if you come from a home, men, where the men in the family were never responsible. You don't have to believe this thing when they say men are trash. Don't say that about you. You don't want that to come out in your life. Say about you that I'm a man of God. And God will help me to be a responsible man. Come from a family where people never live beyond the age of 30. Take God's word and supply it on your life. Says God said, with long life will I satisfy them and show them my salvation. Be intentional to speak that over your life. Can I hear an amen? amen. Why don't you give the Lord a big hand of praise? He's worthy to be praised. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, the whole destiny of your life is about a church. I see somebody's shipping turned around. Turned around, turned around, turned around. Even if there are fierce winds that are blowing in your life, persecution and affliction and Satan attacking you, it doesn't matter what is bringing your way. Take hold of the rudder and turn it around. It may take time, but it's going to turn one day. It's going to turn one day. Because God is not a man to lie. Hallelujah. Shall we all stand on our feet? You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we bless your